Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources and veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and Mike Powell as we discuss how to support and take care of the people in your business for ultimate success. Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. These businesses want highly engaged employees and they do whatever it takes to make this happen because they know that highly engaged employees lead to more growth, client loyalty, and profitability. Veterinary medicine is a challenging profession, but it can be so much easier if we build business cultures that attract and retain the best people. Subscribe to Hire the Smile for great discussions on taking care of the people that make us all better. Hi, welcome to episode 14 of Hire the Smile. I'm Mike Powell and joined once again by Katie Ardeline. Hey, Katie, how are you? Michael, I'm doing well, thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Very excited to start a whole new year of podcasts about HR. Uh, Shameless plug, this is brought to you by our new service, Advice by Oculus, where we have online coaching sessions for business consulting, personal performance coaching. Uh, Go to advicebyoculus.com. So we have what looks like it's a fascinating subject. And I was reading an article over the holidays, and I'm just a bit of a news junkie. And this article showed up by the most unvet-related magazine ever, but it is so applicable to vet medicine. And it's, the magazine is Food and Wine, and it just came up on one of my feeds. And I love restaurants, and I've always thought that Restaurants, veterinary medicine, and to a certain degree, we're very customer focused and we're, we're, you know, we're a hospitality service. And the headline of this article is the customer is not always right. And I read that and I'm boy, as soon as you, every time you hear waiter or restaurant, substitute that with vet tech, vet practice, receptionist. And I'm like, nothing is different. It's the exact same thing. So we'll have a link to the article in the uh, podcast notes. This is how it starts. And so to give this example, uh, talking about, you know, there was indoor dining in up in the upstate New York. It really wasn't happening yet. It was an early fall day. The weather was nice. They had tables outside. They had a lot of tables, you know, very comfortable. So a woman showed up for dinner with her boyfriend in tow, demanding a table indoors. When this hostess slash receptionist explained the situation to the customer offering her a table on the sidewalk instead the woman said i can't sit outside i'm wearing gucci's and walked off (laughs) really what it, it talked about this this interaction which i thought was so spot on to what we go through in the vet profession is it just displays how there's this a really deep sense of customer entitlement in the hospitality industry and they say here a restaurant and i'm going to say you know, change that to veterinary practice workers are at a breaking point. And I know, you know, I work with a lot of practices and this is something that we're hearing all the time. What what are your thoughts on that? Definitely. I think it's exasperated hugely uh, right now, especially with, uh, you know, the curbside service that a lot of uh, practices have to do right now and people sitting in their cars and waiting and they may be waiting longer or they just could be it's almost like it's multiplied when they're sitting in their car versus waiting in a waiting room. I mean, you know, waiting is waiting. 
Uh, but maybe when you're in a in the waiting room and you have things to look at and there's things going on, it doesn't seem as long. But uh, certainly people waiting in their cars, there's a lot less patience uh, and a lot less sort of slack. People, they're looking for some control, I think, and I, it seems like they can't get it. So they're taking it out on people who have no control over anything. Yeah, and, and so the, the headline quote out of this article is, we are expected to provide them with above and beyond service, even if they are abusive. It makes us feel like we are not allowed to have the expectation of being treated like a person. And it really mm-hmm. comes from this issue of entitlement is really rooted at the that popular saying is the customer is always right. And I know I had a bit of a revelation about that several years back, but I, I, you know, I just read this and I was like, boy, this really resonates because every practice is the same way. Take care of the customer, take care of the customer. The customer could be screaming at the receptionist. And uh, I know one of the things I like to do before the days of a lockdown and social distancing, when I was visiting my vet practice or when I go on site at any of our clients' places, I love sitting up front at the reception area because that's when you really hear what's going on. And Mm -hmm. you can hear the people screaming on the phone. You can hear the clients that come in that are so abusive. And then when the vet shows up, they're all smiling and nice. But as soon as the vet leaves, it's like, you know, they're gone. It's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Definitely. As a former receptionist, I remember that just so, so clearly where you would talk to a client on the phone and they would be um, short with you and, and sort of unyielding and, and very inflexible and rude. And then, you know, they, they tend to, they would tend to play the reception off the veterinarian because they're Mm -hmm. nice as pie to the veterinarian and the vets caught in the middle. I mean, they don't know. Yeah. But it's just, it's a real pickly of a situation or the, the whole, and uh, I think more probably with, um, I've seen it more in equine medicine where people tend to have a more personal relationship with their veterinarian, where the receptionist says, I, we can't fit you in, you know, we're too busy. And then the client texts the vet and sees if they can get an answer they like better. And there's just the worst thing as, yep. as receptionists. So you're like, I'm really trying here. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a rocky uh, a road to travel. That's for sure. I remember we had a uh, a receptionist at our practice. I remember sitting in the office that one of these days and I was working away and she gets on a call and uh, let me just back up a little bit. And she used to work in a restaurant. She was a hostess at a pretty high end local restaurant. So, you know, uppers, you know, nice steakhouse. And she was uh, on the phone with this client and it went on and on. And I could hear the voice through the, the phone to where I was like three meters, 10 feet away. And you know, this conversation went on for about 20 minutes and the whole time she was just stellar. Like you just, you know, she was responding well, wasn't losing her cool, wasn't getting flustered, you know, responding in an even tone. And so finally, when the call was over, I just turned around and just said, you know, hats off to you. Like I'm, I owe you a round of applause that that was a difficult client and you handled that so well. And she's like, oh, that was nothing. I'm like, what do you mean nothing? She's like, I've had people at the restaurant throw bread rolls at me because they didn't like something that was going on there. I'm like, who does that? But it's just like, <laughs> people do that. You know, it's funny because I've had so many conversations with sales reps uh, or uh, representatives of, of manufacturers, whether it's our DRs or ultrasounds or whatever. I mean, it's just the common stuff that we all have in our vet practices. And, you know, you have problems. And I remember once talking to somebody, he's like, they screwed up badly. And, but I talked to him in a reasonable manner and he was like, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for not yelling and screaming at me. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, 
that happens all the time. It was actually a breath of fresh air to have somebody not screaming at me about a screw up. So I think, and that's coming from veterinarians. So I was like, I guess we're all just really crummy people sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's true. Here is another interesting similarity in this article. Is they, they talk about hospitality workers are drawn to restaurant work because they like to take care of others. And they quote, a big reason why we're in this business is because we want to make people feel good, make them feel special, and make, make them feel cared for. And that's exactly why most of us are in the veterinary uh, world, more so to take care of the patient. And uh, But it's, you know, we give a lot. And uh, it's so frustrating when we give so much and then we get this kind of abuse back. Oh, so yeah. So yeah. where are the boundaries and how do we, you know, when they start talking about when the, the behavior of our people is really encroaching on someone else's humanity, like how do we resolve this? And how, you know, how do we get away from name calling? And, you know, as we all know, the people that get on, on online, the reviews, and some people say that that is contributing to the high level of veterinary burnout. The high rate of suicide is a lot of that just online when you're not even there and just trashing people. It's, it's all, after we spent all day taking care of animals, juggling cases, seeing animals crash and burn, having to euthanize animals. And then you go home and you see a review and you're like, man, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I think another aspect of that is, um, you know, the, generally the squeaky wheel gets the grease Yep. And, you know, we tend to pay so much attention to these problem clients or abusive clients, and we make all these changes to accommodate them, and we worry so much about them, uh, and ultimately, we're reinforcing their bad behavior. Yep. So, you know, that, that axiom of the customer is always right. It, it breeds this kind of behavior. You know, it's kind of like an HR where you tend to spend 95% of your time on 5% of your staff that's disruptive or that's a challenge. Uh, it's kind of the same way. It's like, well, what am I, should I, shouldn't I be focusing my time on our good clients and not bending over backwards for these terrible clients? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, um, there's a, a line can be quite fine and it can easily be crossed between a difficult client and an abusive client. Like a difficult client is somebody who just makes things difficult. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they don't give you information when you need it. They are demanding, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the line crossing over into being abusive, which yep. to me is sort of, you know, insisting that your unrealistic demands have to be met. You know, even after being told repeatedly that what they're asking for is not reasonable. Uh, to me, that's that's sort of where you cross over the line. And I mean, that's not to even mention, you know, screaming or yelling or calling people names or berating somebody, which is clear abuse, but, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine line. And, it, and I think we can, a difficult client can become an abusive client. And it, it's that same, you know, the little thin edge of the wedge, like when does it cross over into abuse? And we have to be, uh, if we're so conditioned to bend over backwards for people, we have to be aware of, of when it's an inappropriate situation. For sure, for sure. So we're just, uh, for people listening, we were going to come up with what we think are some solutions. But first, uh, Katie, you found a really interesting article that sort of is a, a good complement uh, to the article I found. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yours? For sure. So my article is from Vet Times, uh, which is out of the UK. And uh, what they did is talk to a gentleman who runs a veterinary research company based in the UK, which is like, I went down a whole rabbit hole of the stuff that he finds and it's really, really interesting stuff. Uh, but he found that 
during COVID times, I mean, I think in the UK also, it's a bit of a different situation. They're a lot more restricted on what they can do as opposed to North America. So in general, people are trying to win, win more business in the UK in the time of COVID. But also, 7 to 10% are actually actively trying to reduce or call their existing client lists. Uh, you know, and he talks about the reasons why heavy workload, obviously, uh, but also because some of the customers are just not worth the effort. Uh, and he goes on to talk about how the changes in access to care are bringing out the worst in some people. Uh, and, you know, I know um, here in Ontario, the province where Mike and I are based, when the first lockdown happened, you know, the, the edict was that we can only provide emergency services. And I think in equine medicine, people are pretty cognizant of what's an emergency and what might not be. But in small animal medicine, I think it's it's harder for people to know what constitutes an emergency. And they can be very unreasonable. Uh, you know, it's an emergency to them because it's upsetting. And, and for sure, that might be true. But it's not a true emergency in the sense of this is what the guidelines say an emergency is, that pet's life is not in danger. So, uh, you know, it... it it puts this huge burden on rece the reception staff, the front of house staff to have to deal with people who are not used to being told no, mm -hmm. you know, and for, you know, people who are not used to being told no, all of a sudden being told no in a really capricious type environment where you don't know what's going to happen. It's just a recipe for disaster. The article goes on to talk about how, you know, there's already a general shortage of trained staff even pr prior to COVID which has uh, increased workloads for everybody. And, you know, with COVID and with people needing to be off or other restrictions, there's just been this collapse in engagement and staff and then staff morale. And so, you know, people are looking to, okay, well, we need to draw a line in the sand. We can't tolerate having abusive people here. It's hard enough right now without having abusive clients. So that's kind of the, um, the gist of the article. And, uh, he has like the whole study somewhere and I'm trying to find it because I think it'd be really interesting to read. But the, the name of the research company is CM Research and they're that veterinary specific research company if anyone wants to take a look at, at what they do. Their website's pretty neat. They have some really, really detailed statistics from all over the world on the impact that COVID's having on vet practices. I'll have to check that out. We'll put a link in the uh, podcast notes. For sure. Let's take a break, hear more about advice by Oculus, and when we come back, let's start talking about what vet practice owners, managers, leaders can do to uh, help their staff through these times. Veterinary practice would be so much easier if all we had to do was treat our patients. Instead, we also have to deal with the realities of running a business, keeping and retaining staff, attracting new clients, and maintaining profitability, to name a few. Veterinarians also struggle with navigating and managing the always-on mentality clients expect of them while trying to maintain a livable work-life balance while also managing student debt. When you add in the uncertainty and volatility of the world outside our vet practices, the business aspect of veterinary medicine can take away the pleasure of being a veterinarian, practice owner, or manager. Fortunately, we have a solution. Advice by Oculus provides online personal performance coaching and business advisor sessions that are convenient, accessible, and confidential for the veterinary profession. Personal performance coaching can help anyone develop confidence, motivation, and engagement. Your coach helps you identify what is holding you back and how to overcome these obstacles so you can reach your full potential. If you are struggling with your career and the negative impact on your personal life, personal performance coaching is for you. 
We all know it can be very lonely leading and managing a business. Often we find ourselves having to make decisions that can have a significant impact on finances, staff, and the overall health of the business without the confidence that we have considered all options before making our decisions. Having a personal business advisor with the experience and education for veterinary business management can help you clear a path to business success. We have been in your shoes and know what it takes to move forward. It's as easy as picking your advisor or coach and booking your time. It's all done online. And for a limited time only, we are offering a 20% savings for all first time Advice by Oculus users. Advice by Oculus, consider it like telemedicine for your business or career. Okay, so we now know that clients could be horrible. Uh, and it's that small percentage that just ruins it for all the great ones. So I don't want any stretch of the imagination thinking that this is just a, a, a crap on client session. No, these are particular clients that really are just, they're horrible. And how do we get past this problem? So what I sort of alluded to and hinted to earlier is a book I read. And it's And it's funny, it was quoted in the article I brought in, but they, look, they took a different message from it. And so this guy, Danny Meyer, owns a bunch of restaurants in New York City. And he's really, it's called, the book's called Setting the Table. And I remember reading it about, ah, I guess, 10, 11 years ago. He was talking about hospitality and doing things well uh, for the customer. But what he spends a lot of time in the book is taking care of the staff first. And that only way we're going to take care of our clients well is you got to take care of your staff first. And it was really one of those light bulb moments. And, you know, it's something that we've been talking about. And this is a you know a huge part of our philosophy here at Oculus is about taking care of your staff first so they can take care of your clients. But it was the first time I read it and, and really understood it and it just sort of like, oh, yeah, then that changed totally how my own practice started operators. Let's focus on our people first. They'll take care of the rest. And, you know, it seems to be such, it's so contrary to that. Let's take care of our customers, customers first. And, you know, both Katie and I visit a lot of practices and we work a lot of practices. And and one of the refrains that we hear, not at every practice, but probably a strong majority of them are, we have some bad customers and when they come in and they're abusive, the owners don't support us mm-hmm. and we've got to do everything for these customers and they're horrible people and the owners don't see it. I mean, what, what are some of the experiences that you've had with this, Katie? I know that as a former receptionist, you know, you would have these clients who were the type I talked about before where they were, they'd be abusive to the front desk staff and then they'd be nice as pie to the vet. And then when, um, you know, you talk the owner into getting on the phone with the client and you're like, okay, fire and brimstone, this person's going to get put in their place. The owner would come back and say, oh, well, he agrees to be nice. And it's like, well, no, he's not going to be nice. We, you know, that has not been, you know, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And that hasn't been the case in the past. So, uh, you know, really listening to your reception staff or listening to your veterinarians uh, and in hearing what they're saying about these clients is just so important. And, you know, that I think, um, like you said, we have to take care of our staff first. And while it's true, you know, we want to, especially in a, a younger company, we want all the clients we can get. That doesn't mean that you should let just anybody through the doors, so to speak. You know, we have to be a bit more discerning. And uh, it's it's just such a, a crappy feeling when you are the receptionist and you're saying, this is what's happening to me. And then the owner takes up the baton and you think there's going to, going to be some sort of resolution. And instead, it just keeps perpetuating. And now the client has sweet talked the owner 
and they think that they can just do whatever they want and the behavior continues and it's just the worst feeling. Mm-hmm. I may have been that once or twice before, but one of the things I have learned <laughs> now is uh, support your staff all times. I mean, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes, there may have been things that went wrong with the appointment, things that should have happened did not happen. But when you have a client that's just losing themselves and berating the staff, you know, just telling the clients, oh, yes, you're right, we'll take care of it. No. No, I mean, since I have changed over to being much more supportive of the staff and shutting down clients who start that, I've had so many more comments from our vets, receptionists, technicians saying, one of the things we value about the company is that we're always supported. We're never going to be thrown under the bus. Before we get to that, I think we got to go back at almost the beginning uh, or just in terms of the kind of business that you have is, and, and you sort of alluded it earlier, like as a young business, you want as much business as you can get. Hmm. And I think, you know, this sort of comes back to is you got to sort of determine what kind of customers you want, what kind of services you want. So if you're going to be like a low cost, uh, restrict, you know, you're just going to do a lot of, you know, vaccines, spay, neuters, what have you. And that's one thing. But if you're trying to position yourself as more of a hands-on, more of a, a high level caring, you're going to get disappointment when you you try to attract the ones that want that you know, low cost service and they come to your practice and they see the bill and they freak out and they lose it on people, you know, they're not going to value what we have. And there's not, you know, so there's two kinds of businesses that we can have is that, you know, uh, the Walmart or the Aldi version uh, of just like, you know, everything is cheap and everything is the same versus more of the high end, more of the luxury brands. And, you know, there's graduations in between, but, you know, having the idea of what your client is and, and also I think having the idea of the behavior you tolerate and knowing it right up front and letting your staff know what is acceptable and not acceptable. And it's not just your clients, but it's with each other too. And that's a whole other discussion about when you have people within the practice that lose it on each other. But telling your staff, this is the behavior that we are going to offer the clients. This is the behavior we expect in return. And you need to tell me when you're, we're not getting that behavior because that's something that we then need to decide if, you know, is there a way to reconcile this client? Does somebody need to talk to them? Or do we just need to say to them, you know what, I don't think we're the right practice for you. And there's a lot of them in the area, but you should maybe go to one of them. Yeah. And just to butt in, I think that's so important is, is understanding expectations and uh, on both sides. And it goes back to sort of what we were just talking about a moment ago. If you know that your staff are adhering to a certain standard of client care and, you know, they know how to have a difficult conversation with a client, they know how to deal with a difficult client. And then they come to you and say, this person's beyond the pale. Then you as a practice owner know, okay, well, I know what sort of standards my, I have set for my staff or that we've come, you know, collaborated and come to together. And this is, this outlier needs to be dealt with. And then you sort of don't go back and forth and, and prolong it a little bit. It's like, okay, I need to take some swift action here. I think that's so important. Well, I think what we're doing is setting boundaries. And, you know, one of the things yeah. I talk about the article I found is that, you know, it's just this lack of boundaries is, is what it's so 
hard is because it's you give an inch, they take a foot. And, you know, then you just, you know, hey, I can scream a little bit and I get I get responses. So I can scream louder and get more responses. And I think, you know, you've got to be able to tell your staff, you know what, you have permission to say no. You have permission to say, I'm sorry, your behavior is inappropriate. If you can't modify it, you're going to have to leave. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, as I said, there's we're every vet practices, we're we, you know, we're looking for new vets, trying to hard to find new great support staff. And if they're burning out because they're working with, with really crappy clients, let alone at you know their own practice, but let's talk with the clients, you know, that's an that's a problem that's easily resolved. Definitely. So the customer is always right. I think is actually the wrong attitude. It, it totally is the wrong attitude. I know in, in that article, they, they, you know, in their concluding uh, comments is, is that, you know, our whole idea of what hospitality is, is that we got to get away from that customer is always right and that we need to stop. Survive. Well, we need to stop prioritizing the wants of customers over the well-beings of staff. Exactly. You know, all this talk about being great to other people and preaching about hospitality, it doesn't work if your staff is miserable and being abused. Mm-hmm. Probably why the reason why I like this article is like, we all have our own confirmation bias. It's like, happier staff is happier customers. And, and if you have a safe, happy, warm environment for your employees, then the customers are going to have a great time. And those odd ones that show up that just are just hell-bent for leather to be miserable, you, you got to say goodbye to them. And if you're doing a great job everywhere else, you're not going to have a shortage of customers. So it's nice to get rid of those bad ones. Definitely. Such a weight off. For totally. I, I know one practitioner every year, one of the first things he does at the beginning of the year, he looks at his list of customers and he sort of, he sort of systematically says, I'm going to get rid of these customers this year. And, and gives them a no service notice or suggests that they use another practice because it's either... Uh, you know, he gives the counselors, pay, you know, he, he gives them credit. So either they're not paying their bill on time or there's just this history of abuse. And I'm like, you know, what we can't do is let it build up is we need to address it right away. And so if somebody comes in and starts going crazy on the staff, I think it's up to the managers or the owners to have that conversation with the client right off the bat, you know, and just to say, hey, I understand you came in, uh, you were very upset and yes, and your staff was blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I think the you know the good conversation is yeah you know probably the delivery of care wasn't what you were expecting and for that we apologize but the way you dealt with my staff was really inappropriate and we're trying yes. really hard but you know if that's how you are going to behave and yes I apologize that the service wasn't happening or wasn't at your level but we can have a conversation about that but screaming at my staff is not the way to do it. I don't know if this has happened to you or not, you know, clients that you've uh, fired and I, I feel like it hasn't happened all that much in Mickey panel over the years, but um, just because, you know, people sort of self-select out, I think, but how many of them have come back to you and been, you know, mea culpa, mea culpa. I'm so sorry. I'll be better. I'll be better. Can you think of examples? Not that I want you to say them, but uh, does that happen? Short lived. It's sort of, so I used to think that you could talk to some people and just say, you know, and, hey, you're, like I just said, your behavior wasn't appropriate. And I, I could think of one person in particular. And, you know, when I brought it up and she was like, oh, my God, I, I feel terrible. Yes, that was horrible. I'm sorry. It didn't last <laughs> for whatever reason. And within three months, we had finally just said, you know, you need to find another vet. We're not happy to serve you anymore. 
And, you know, and it's unfortunate. She obviously wasn't a happy person and obviously felt that or she had seen behavior where she can throw a tantrum and get what she wants. But when we said no, you can almost see the shock. Like, I'm the customer. What do you mean? No. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah. You're, you're horrible. And we're trying our best. And, you know, we're going to learn from this and we're going to do better. And, you know, I think I've, I've had some good sessions when people have been upset and they've sent respectful letters like or like this, this really wasn't good. And we've had great conversations and you open up by let me share what went wrong. I want to hear from you and you apologize and say you're we're taking this as a, a learning lesson and maybe you have to give them some credit on their account. Those are great. You can have those conversations all day because, yeah, we're never going to be 100 percent perfect in how we deliver our care, but we can certainly be respectful 100% of the time to the people that we interact with. Mm -hmm. And it's not unreasonable to expect that in return. No. And so I think what practice owners, we just got to get out of the sense that we got to do everything for the customer. And I think, yes, we want to do great customer service, but it can't be at the expense of the people that we work with because it just becomes a hellhole of a place to work at and it just it's a compounded effect of negativity. And I think too, it's important uh, to have the discussion with your staff and to let them know sort of where where they fit in as far as being able to say no to a client as well. Uh, you know, and having it not breed the well, let me talk to your manager. You know, just the staff saying, unfortunately, we can't do this for you for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, but empowering them to to be that person, so it doesn't always have to go to the manager for the manager to say say no. I think having that the staff having that control of being able to put their foot down is is very important. I mean, you know, I wouldn't necessarily expect somebody to a staff member to make the final decision on firing a client without discussion. But you know, having them say, I'm you know, I'm hanging up the phone and I'll call you back in half an hour yes. when you cool down. Or having that kind of control, letting them take control of the situation, I think is very important as well. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, I, I really try to empower, you know, my own practice and other practices that we work for to, to say people to say no. But I like your angle there of just saying, you know what, this has gotten beyond where we, I'm sure you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it later. And mm-hmm. I find that's a really effective way of just when you throw the behavior back at them in a very, very you, re, you, you, not like you're mirroring the behavior, but you're sort of like, you know, you know, this has gotten very heightened. Uh, I think things are being said that we may regret later. Never you, but we, you know, and maybe we should talk about this later. That can diffuse a situation, but some people, there's just no pleasing and they're just going to keep on going. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, you're, you can hang up. <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't think I, uh, I ever did it when I was a receptionist. I would never, didn't hang up on anybody directly. But I think I certainly, you know, heard a conversation going a certain way and was like, okay, you need to end this call now because this isn't, you know, this is not what you deserve at all. So I would certainly support that for somebody else. One of my parting notes, I just remember a situation, this is a long time ago, and somebody was going on and I was sitting in the office and, and, and somebody was saying, well... I know Dr. Vipanel very well. And if he finds out that the kind of treatment you you were giving me, he'll be so surprised. And they just walked off. And I just remember looking at the receptionist like, I have no idea who that person is. I've never, ever seen them before. (laughs) No idea. Yeah, definitely. I'm a close personal friend of Dr. McKee. And, uh, you know, she will not be happy to hear this. And you're like, oh, this person called and they're upset. She's like, oh, who is that person? (laughs) We're not close personal friends. Exactly. So... 
So anyway, I think when we can summarize it is that we need to start having the boundaries. And the article I had had a great line there. We should sort of they talk about restaurants and again, slash vet practices should operate like a hospitable dictatorship is that the idea is that, yes, we want you to be here. Yes, we want to take care of you and we want you to have great experiences. But yes, it's also not going to be at the expense of others. And I think that's what we got to start thinking about because you know, we spend the majority of our waking hours at work and if we're sitting there on eggshells wondering about clients freaking out at us and if management is going to support that, it makes it a miserable workplace. So nobody wants that. All right, Katie, that was awesome. I think. I don't know. Right on. I just, I think I just, it's a subject that I get really um, obviously passionate and excited about because I just, uh, you see it in restaurants. I, I remember we've all been guests at restaurants and seeing how other people act or on planes anywhere. And you're just like, oh, but it happens in our own places of work too. So we just have to be, uh, we got to make sure it doesn't happen. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, just to emphasize the, as a practice owner is asking your staff for what their side of what happened to, you know, if you get yeah. acted directly by a client and they're like, they light you up with all this terrible stuff that happened you know, ask this, you know, I can't, I can't continue talking about this until we get the staff member in here and we can hear what their side of things are. So really staying away from throwing your staff under the bus and believing in, in the training that they have and believing in the boundaries that you've set uh, goes a long way as well. But you know what, you bring up a last point. I think we got to dig into this because this I think is a really key point is um, we talk a lot about when we're talking about internal communication in the business that we don't want to triangulate. And that is if you have a problem with somebody else, you don't go to me and expect me to have that conversation. The three of us, either you have to have that conversation with the person. If not, maybe the three of us have the conversation together because otherwise it's like, she said, she said, and it's just, it's a fruitless conversation. It's frustrating because everybody, you know, two people are involved in a situation. Everybody has got their own impression of it. And one of the things I learned is that I have a, I have a you know, somebody would say, so, so-and-so came and flipped out. I get on the phone and I say, well, I heard that you had a bad experience, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, I was fine. But your receptionist was terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no winning there. Like, I mean, you just there is no winning there. And so what I have done going, I've done this for like about three years now is I'm happy to talk to this client, but I want Dr. So and so with me or the reception, whoever the interaction with. And I always preface it with the person as, you know, the client of, well, you know, Sally or Frank was there. And, you know, I, instead of you hearing your side and then going back to their sides and we, none of us will ever be happy. Let's the three of us talk, find a resolution, but we're here to listen to you and you let the customer talk. I find that's an effective way to diffuse it, but it also calls people on their behavior. Yes. Because then they can't say, oh, I was fine. Your person was terrible because that's a really big lie. And so yeah. does it mean that they'll always be better afterwards? Not necessarily, but it really, it, it's a more honest recounting of the situation. So. Well, and sometimes when the client all of a sudden realizes that they have to be face-to-face -face with the person they had an issue with, then their tune might change or yeah. they backpedal or, you know, oh, well, I'm, you know, it just, uh, it's interesting once you get the two people involved in the conversation together, how the story might change. For sure. So 
All right, we'll be back in two weeks. And again, if anybody has any kind of subject on HR that we they like to address or they found an interesting article, please send it to us at info at oculusinsights.net. We'll talk to you all in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. Special thanks to Alyssa Rubenstein for doing the amazing marketing that she does for Oculus. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.